And now it's time for Guaranteeing Your Retirement with your host, David Graham from Graham Capital, an estate planning and investment management firm right here in Florida. Here's your host, David Graham. Good morning. This is Dave Graham, the retirement guy, and you're listening to Guaranteeing Your Retirement on this beautiful, rather hot, swampy day here in the Tampa Bay area. Show is brought to you by Graham Capital Advisors. We're the people that you come to when you're getting serious about retirement and you want to do it properly, correctly. And you come to people that are just as concerned about your retirement as you are, true retirement fiduciaries, not someone that is going to get you to come in because you hear them on the radio or TV and they have an insurance company paying for their advertising. What do you think they're going to show you? Whatever company they're working for at that space and time. That's not a fiduciary. Fiduciary is somebody that wants to know what you have and is going to give you guidance in legal planning and investing not just selling you financial products and widgets. We're proud of what we do. We're members of the National Association of Insurance and Financial Advisors. We're, quite frankly, the only one in the Tampa Bay area that's a member. And why is that? Because we love what we do. We take pride in what we do. We hold our profession in its highest esteem. And we want you to know that you don't have to worry about retirement properly because we do it properly. Let us help you. Go to our website. It's GrahamCapitalAdvisors.com. That's GrahamCapitalAdvisors.com. When you always hear me say a three-legged stool, you have legal, you have planning, and investing. You have to have all three. If you do that, you're never going to have to worry about running out of money, never have to worry about the unknowns that come into our lives. Remember, the only thing constant in life is change, so we're going to get it whether we want it or not. So let's embrace it, but let's be prepared for it. And we can show you how to do that properly. Let's take the first step. You know, you have, think of a light switch. You have all this energy in the wall, but nothing happens until you hit the switch. Then the power goes through the wires, and all of a sudden the phone rings, your radio goes on, the TV goes on, because you hit the switch. You need to hit the switch for retirement planning. More, most people spend more money on a summer vacation than they do the last 20 or 30 years of their life. So I'm going to show you how easy it is. Again, go to our website. It's GrahamCapitalAdvisors.com. And we always start off with a couple of fun facts of the week. Think about this. The average person has 50 to 70,000 thoughts per day. You know why you're tired at the end of the day. You've been thinking all day. Here's the quote of the week. Expect the best, prepare for the worst, capitalize on what comes. That's Zig Ziglar. We always have to have our crime of the week, federal crimes. Remember, you got to be careful. The feds are watching for you. It's a federal crime to drive on the beach at, at the Cape Cod National Seashore without a, without a tire pressure gauge in your car. And why is that? Because they want you to deflate the tires just a little bit. So you can drive in that sand without getting stuck. That's why they always ask you to do that. You know, always think of 
what goes on. You know, people have a closet, like this is spring, spring cleaning now. You know, you clean out the closets, you get rid of the attic, you start going through your junk drawers, that's cleaning stuff up. And let's look, you look at the analogy between a financial closet and how it's someone's financial life is like a closet, okay? You know, so think of this. Just like in closets, everyone has a different level of organization in their financial lives. Some people, you know, they have everything perfectly in place and they know exactly where everything is. While other people, you know, they have a very messy financial situation and they have no organization or no plan. Or you can be like me where I have a giant desk with piles of paper everywhere, but I at least know where the paper is and I know why it's there. Somebody comes to help me clean clean the place, they mess up my organi organized mess. Uh, think about this. It's, it's always overwhelming to start the process of cleaning and organizing a closet. And for most people, it's probably no different than when it comes to, again, getting organized financially. So how can somebody even begin to start organizing, you know, their financial life? I'll, I'll tell you. Find all your current account station statements. Determine the balances. Who's managing what? You know, find your tax returns, your insurance policies. Organize everything so that you know where things are when you need them. But also, it simply makes things easier when you sit down with somebody that is a professional. You know, help, help us out a little bit. You know, sadly, we've had people come into our office with a shoebox full of statements and envelopes they haven't even opened yet. If you're in that situation, you need help immediately. Come on in. We'll open those envelopes for you. We'll chronologically put it in order in a binder for you. If you don't use a computer, we'll show you, we, you know, where you're at and what you need. You know, and think of this also. You know, once you've gotten all the items out of their hiding places, what are some other tips I can give you? Well, group all similar similar investment investments together. You know, just as you might hang all items of the same color in your closet, you know, you, you should organize your financial holdings by risk level when you'll need the money. So you can identify what, what accounts might need an overhaul. Get a monthly budget, you know, budget on papers that, that you know at a glance where, that you're on the right track. You know, this helps you keep an eye, an eye on where your money is going so you can easily monitor where you stand each month, you know. You know, just like when you're, you're getting ready to put stuff in your sock drawer or your underwear drawer, underwear drawer, you know then when it's time to do the laundry, just to see what you're running out of. And then I guess most importantly too, though, do your accounts actually match your goals? You know, how many times have people gotten dressed only to get to work and they realize they have mismatched socks on, you know, and at a glance, uh, the difference between blue and black socks might not be very obvious. And in the same way, a bad financial decision might not be obvious to you, you know, if you're a financial rookie, but could end up easily, you could end up easily with a plan that's not going to accomplish your goals. So again, get organized the best you can and then come see someone that is a fiduciary that can help you do the right things and answer the questions that you need to know. You, you know, you've got to find out whether you're, you're investing at the age of let's say 60, as you were at 15, at 39, you know, that doesn't make any sense. What about starting social security without a plan or a strategy or focusing on tax preparation or, or not tax planning? What about just assuming that most of your retirement healthcare needs are going to be covered by Medicare? Well, guess what? They're not. So again, 
go to a fiduciary, go to someone that can help you get answers to these questions. Go to our website. It's GrahamCapitalAdvisors.com. And I have James Berlander, the infamous Mr. Berlander, working the boards for us. Good morning to you, James. Hey, good morning. Okay, we got the mailbag. Let's get a couple of emails out. What do we got there? All right, sounds good. So L in Tampa says, I have a 401k from an old job that I'm obviously not contributing to anymore since I work somewhere else now. It had been doing very well for a while, but dropped a lot in 2022. Should I go ahead and roll it over to an IRA and invest differently? Maybe I should have rolled it over already. Yeah, Al, you're absolutely correct. Look, you pay to have money in a 401k. In some cases, they don't even really list it. You don't even realize you're paying to keep it there. But a 401k plan is no different than really just about every company has the same kind. And you want to know why they have target funds? It's because it's not for your benefit. It's so they can't sue you. You can't sue them rather in case you get a lousy return. But you get out of that 401k immediately and you put it into a traditional IRA. If you're young enough, you could possibly put it into a Roth IRA. You might have to wait five years, but that might be the way to go. But you definitely get it out of that 401k ASAP. Good question. Next up is Buck down in Sarasota. I just turned 65, but I plan to work for a few more years. So I have the option of staying on my company health insurance plan or switching to Medicare. Which do you think is better? Well, what's best right now, if you like your health care plan, and if you have a company plan and you're working and they're paying for it, don't change a thing. Just stay right where you're at. But if you're paying for it, for your health care plan with the company, and maybe you're not happy with it, well, then I would recommend getting on to Medicare since you're 65. Medicare parts A and part B. Medicare, part A, pays for the hospital. Part B, it pays 80% of all your other costs, so you have to go out and purchase a supplement. You can get them really anywhere. You go to AARP, they have United Healthcare Plan right there. I would recommend that. That's the one I'm on. Pay 180 bucks, and that pays to 20% that Medicare does not pay for other extraneous healthcare costs. And there's part plan D if you have a lot of uh, prescriptions that you're taking. Uh, so it's all really contingent on just what kind of health care you really need. But by all means, make the, make the de- wise decision. Medicare is always going to be there. It still might be in your best interest to just stay on the company plan. Good question. And last up from the mailbag before we go to Stosh is Peggy N. Bradington. She writes in, I recently inherited an IRA from my dad. Can you help me understand what I need to know about this account? There seems to be some conflicting information online. Well, Peggy, if you inherited your IRA from your dad, his IRA rather, the government now is going broke, can't even meet the interest payments on on the national debt. So you have to take his IRA money over a period of 10 years, whatever the amount is, you got to take it out within 10 years. That was the major change that, that occurred. And you know, if you're not sure how to do that, then let us let us help you. It's not that difficult. Just come to our office at Tampa, Sarasota. If you're up in Washington, it's on K Street. We'll show you how easy it is to roll over a 401k so, or an IRA, rather. So, you know, you could have it for your own benefit. Good question. And online, we have Stosh Graham, the Chief Investment Officer, Managing Director of Graham Capital Wealth Management in Washington, D.C. That's GrahamCapitalWealth.com. Good morning to you, Stosh. Good morning, David. Well, here we are. The, the 
jobs report came in. What, what does that tell you? You know, honestly, it doesn't, it doesn't tell us much. I, I, we have talked about this on numerous occasions with our clients that really the jobs reports, the labor market, most of the labor market information tends to be coinciding or lagging indicators for the forward-looking economy. And most importantly, they always get revised. Now, in some instances, they get revised higher, but of late, they've been revised lower. So as these reports come in, I take it with a grain of salt. We saw this just a couple days ago uh, with the jobless claims and how we saw a sweeping change, a revision to the amount of jobless claims where we saw each sequential month dating back the last five months all had higher jobless claims than what was initially reported. And again, I think that's very important to consider because as people are trying to project the future, obviously what you view of the future impacts whether you put new capital into the stock market or financial assets in general. But when you have this dynamic of focusing on the labor market during possible points of inflection in the economy, meaning the possibility of a near-term economic recession, taking these type of data points that could be revised lower at a later point in time, it's just, I, I, I would, I would discount any number that you see right now pretty materially, because I think we are at that inflection point. Right. Well, the S and P this, you know, it's ended the past week. Now it's a four day week with a slight decline uh, in, in the 500 and U S futures. They rose a little bit. So how do you wrap up the week? How would you describe that? You know, I would say it's more the same than what we've seen so far this, uh, the first couple of months of the year. You know, overall, the headline indices isn't necessarily showing, in some cases, it's showing strength. But for the most part, it's not showing that much of downside pressure, not like what we saw uh, on three different moments in 2023. Right. But the situation is you have a very narrow breadth of companies that are, that are actually generating most of the returns for these headline indices. And we had a, a client, uh, we had a client gathering, a client dinner, um, uh, just to recap the first quarter of the year. And one of the major slides that we wanted to convey or show was how really there were two sectors out of 13 sectors that were in the green. So the S&P 500, yes, it's made up of 500 companies, but they have 13 different sectors within the S&P 500. And out of the 13, only two actually have material gains. The vast majority were in the red. They had losses for the first quarter of the year. Right. Uh, so when you see a headline number of S&P 500 up over 7% for the first quarter, it's a little bit misleading because the two sectors – that actually generated the, 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 the returns was tech companies, in particular, unprofitable speculative tech companies and consumer discretionary, two of the most cyclical sectors that the S&P 500 has, right up there with banking and energy. You know, Stash, look at commodities now. I just I noticed we're a sugar of all things. Sugar's climbed to a six-year high on the on, you know, global supply worries. What does the overall commodity market look like right now? So overall, the commodity market, so, and this is in broad generality, so it's probably irresponsible to, to say, but 
overall commodities in the short run are going to be weak. And, and I think that if you believe in a global recession, that is your primary reason why you would forecast that. But there are still material structural issues across the entire commodity landscape. Now, some more so than others. You mentioned sugar. One of the reasons why sugar is pressing new highs is because there's a global supply demand. And in, within the food industry, there are certain pockets where there is, again, a material imbalance, even in a recession, it is fair to question how much demand would actually fall off. And so, again, the preface, the first part of the answer, and to emphasize that, structurally, overall, across all commodities, in the short run, there could be downside pressure if your base case is a global recession. But there are certain pockets of the commodity sector, as you mentioned, sugar, I would say also wheat. I think that's important to keep an eye on because of the conflict in Ukraine, because of rising fertilizer and potash costs. I think you still have to focus in on energy. I think, yes, while energy has been weak the last 90 days, and if there is a global recession, there'll probably be more weakness in the coming quarters. But over the next three to five years, right now, broadly in regards to commodities, there is a structural supply demand imbalance. And if we were to go into a recession, that's only gonna hurt future supply more because companies that produce these commodities will come under pressure and will have to cut back capital expenditures, have to cut back investments to be able to stave off any type of larger risk that possibly can impair their, their business uh, solvency. You know, I had a, cl a client ask me about Apple and I noticed on the Bloomberg this morning that Apple's Irish operation, just Ireland alone, they, they make close to $70 billion and they're sitting on a couple of hundred billion dollars in their checking account. Uh, I think it's the most affluent company that's out there now. It jumped ahead of Microsoft as far as this cash on hand. And I know you've always been a big proponent of when a company has too much cash it kind of gets sloppy and it's not running the company properly. What, what, just take Apple as an example, I guess, since they're the big dog right now. Where do you see a company like that going with all the money that it's just sitting on? Well, I mean, it depends on what the management team of that company wants to do. I mean, in periods in time where the possibility, and you saw this very briefly three months ago, or three weeks ago with the banking crisis, uh, which is still unfolding, even though if it's still if it's slowing, it's certainly slowing down. But there's still a, a structural issue that needs to get rectified at the bank at the banking level, um, and that is the accessibility of affordable credit, which has greatly been impaired over the next couple of quarters. Um, but I think again, when you think about businesses that have a lot of cash, the first question is, what is the management team going to do with it? If you are a company that is within a sector that, say, historically has underperformed for the better part of last decade, and you would be deemed to be capital starved, meaning there's not a lot of inflows of new capital into your sector, you're going to have to try to either self-fund your business, which means pay down a lot of debt and then retain future cash flow uh, for investments in the business, or to try to encourage capital to come into your sector you return that capital or that free cash flow to the shareholders in the form of 
stock buybacks or cash dividends. And so I think it's very important to know what man, what sector you're investing in and then what is the management team's priorities in terms of returning that free cash flow back to its shareholders. What would you recommend for people saying they want to put money in the money market now due to the high interest rates? I, I noticed where there's close to five trillion trillion. It's hard to believe five trillion dollars uh, in in uh, money markets now. Uh, what's your take on that? It's and it's growing. It's and I don't think it's going to stop anytime soon. At least until the Federal Reserve, I, I would probably say until the Federal Reserve engages in maybe seventy-five to one hundred basis points in rate cuts, because money market accounts do move with uh, the the Fed funds rate and what the Federal Reserve does. Look, that that number is only going to continue to grow. That has been an issue for banks over the last year, and it continues again. Uh, where people are moving their deposits to money market accounts because you can make more than 4% for really the same risk. But if there was one guidance that I would tell you in regards to doing a money market account, make sure that it is a government, U.S. government uh, uh, a money market account. You have different types. You have prime. For example, prime is short dated paper, usually for banks and businesses. Uh, or excuse me, it's usually for banks, but it could cover all businesses. Usually it's made up of commercial paper and very, very short dated uh, uh, credit facilities for businesses. You do not want to invest in those right now, especially if you think uh, that a global recession, again, is, is your base case or your investment thesis is a part of your investment thesis in the coming quarters. You want to look for government, uh, U.S. government money market accounts, because effectively what those are buying are very short-dated U.S. Treasuries. And look, right now, short-dated U.S. Treasuries paying 4.5%, 4.7%. That is well and above uh, what you are seeing from savings and checking accounts uh, that are at banks. And again, that issue has been a, a problem for banks, as you've seen billions, tens of billions, hundreds of billions now when you factor in what happened three weeks ago of money just moving away from banks uh, that were deposits for banks and moving to money market accounts because people are much more sensitive this time around about money that they are leaving off the table and money that is accessible or returns that are accessible and material without taking that much more risk, especially if you're owning say, a government money market account, which is a U.S. Treasury, which is backed by the U.S. government. Right. Well, one last question here. You know, the banks, the Silicon Valley Bank, um, I think that suffered probably the, the quickest bank run in history and also had the fastest bailout. <laughs> bailout. Um, you know, obviously, that bank in particular, due to doing a lot of venture capital with, with uh, tech companies, it operated under lighter rules letter restrictions in larger banks, but people are concerned when they see a bank going out of business. Uh, has that issue been put to rest now? Should people be concerned about banks in general? No. So you know, I appreciate you asking this question because I, I don't want to see you doom and gloom on banks. The, the banking situation or, or the banking crisis, and the reason why there's still an effect onto this is, again, banks are still losing deposits. And what's important to focus on banks 
or, or why we focus on bank deposits. Deposits are really the high-powered cash for a bank. You put a dollar in deposits in, they can go get $10 worth of assets. Uh, that's how banks, that they create money. I mean, that, that's the money multiplier effect of, of banks in an economy and why banks and the health of banks are so important for the U.S. economy because banks provide credit and credit is the blood for our U.S. economy. Uh, a lot of companies won't make investments. And we talked about commercial paper, for example. Commercial paper is how a lot of businesses pay, do payroll and, and pay companies, um, uh, uh, employees their salary. And then they know in the next 90 to 120 days, they have accounts receivable and sales that they'll be able to pay that commercial paper back. Um, but a credit is the functioning force for economic growth in the U.S. And it's really been that way since the 80s. Right. Um, and it's one of the major advantages that we have over a lot of other countries. So it's important to keep an eye on the banking sector. People don't have to worry about their deposits. You're fine. And we've seen the, the uh, uh, Janet Yellen, the, the, the secretary, Treasury uh, Secretary, come in and say, look, you know, we, the government has other functions that we will backstop these deposits. But the issue with banks is that they continue to have a slow bleed of deposits, and that impacts their ability to issue new loans uh, or re-up a existing line of credit for a business where it's highly likely in the coming quarters, and you're already seeing stories about it, and say over the next year or two, where they're going to have to pull back on credit issuance. They're going to have to right. pull back on those existing credit facilities. And for businesses, that hurts their ability to get access to capital markets, and it hurts their ability to get cheap, affordable capital or uh, credit, which then hurts their overall growth prospects uh, in the in the near term future because it makes business investments uh, in some instances uneconomical, and so they just won't make it. Right. Well, Stash, well said. As always, we appreciate your sound sage advice, and let's see how the week goes and. Let's see if the Rays are actually going to lose a game here. They're on a great winning streak right now. You take care, buddy. They are. Go Rays. Yeah, go Rays. Take care, and I'll see you. All right. Uh, if you're a new listener, you're less listening to Stash Graham. He is our Chief Investment Officer, Managing Director of Graham Capital Wealth Management in Washington, D.C. That's GrahamCapitalWealth.com. I might add that his company, our company, was one of the very few in the United States last year that did not lose money. The average average portfolio down last year, if you're a conservative investor, you lost 10%. If you're more speculative investor, you lost 20%. Guess what? We didn't lose money. So we must be doing something right. And if you have, you deserve, you deserve to see the best of the best, and we can help you with that. So go to our website, schedule an appointment, it's GrahamCapitalAdvisors.com. That's GrahamCapitalAdvisors.com. You want to be really lucky in life? Go help someone. And God's going to smile on you. You're going to get to be incredibly lucky. We're lucky to be Americans. It's right on our currency. In God we trust. Good luck. God bless. Take care of each other. Stay safe out there.
We'll see you next week. This program is sponsored by Graham Capital Advisors, LLC. Graham Capital Advisors, LLC is an independent estate planning and insurance agency. Investment advisory services are provided by Graham Capital Wealth Management, LLC, an independent registered investment advisor. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where Graham Capital Wealth Management and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. The information provided is for educational informational purposes only and does not constitute investment advice and should not be relied on as such. Individuals should consult with a qualified professional for guidance before making any purchasing decisions.